What's going on guys? Welcome back to the Dark Horse MMA Podcast, episode seven. If you're new to the channel, make sure to subscribe and turn on the post notifications for multiple videos every week, all MMA, all unfiltered, all unbiased from the fan perspective. So let's get to it. There were some fights over the weekend, huge card, UFC 252, Daniel Cormier against Stipe Miocic for the heavyweight strap and to be the heavyweight GOAT. But before that, uh, just to catch up what's been going on, um, as you can see, I got a a little podcast set up here. If you're listening on YouTube, you can see it. I got the Fight Club poster, got Mike Tyson, I got Kobe and uh, MJ, a couple goats. So uh, I just got all this shit from Amazon, these bootleg lights uh, that I'll probably have to return soon, but you know, whatever. Something that's been going on with hockey. Leafs just got eliminated last week, I believe. You know, another disappointing for Leaf fans. For my Canadian listeners out there, um, you know, another disappointing year. It's just another typical year for the Leafs, I guess. Another huge upset. And, you know, it is what it is, as Max Holloway would say. And another thing was doing the Nike workout still. If you listen to last week's podcast, Jules and I talked about it. We've been doing some of the workouts off the Nike Training Center app it's really been good i'm really mixing up from just the weightlifting. uh obviously we can't train jujitsu right now so that kind of sucks it does really suck actually but you know that it's it's a good switch up uh i've been doing them a lot of fucking burpees and jumping squats which i never have done before so it's a nice change up i get a really good sweat in can't complain about that and another thing was i've been uh trying to get my morning routine back i'm really big on morning routines in general i feel like they start your day off so well, you know, get the snowball effect going, get a lot of momentum, you know, just a killer day and just get a lot of shit done, basically. Some of my morning routine real quick. I have been getting up. I meditate for like 10 minutes or so. Visualize my day, visualize my future that I want. Uh, I read a book recently that's called The Answer. It really just changed my life and perspective. I don't think the same, so I highly recommend that if you're a reading man, reading man or woman, I should say, so yeah, I wake up, meditate, I drink my Epsom salt, not Epsom salt, I drink my Himalayan salt, don't try, I take a bath in Epsom salt, um, you know, get some electrolytes in the system, and then I actually go down to my basement, I ordered some mats off Amazon, like just training mats, I can roll on them too eventually, um, and I do a lot of static stretching, I, I've been really into stretching as of late, I really want to be able to kick people in the face. Uh, that's something I've always wanted to do. I've always wanted to have a you know a well-rounded arsenal uh, when it comes to training in MMA. So I don't want to just be a ground fighter and have boxing. I want to be able to kick people. So yeah, no, that's pretty cool. And then, and there's just a lot of other benefits to it, real like realistically. And Joe Rogan recently uh, tweeted a, or posted a picture on Instagram about it and just saying there's so many benefits. So I'm like, you know what, I'm. I've always wanted to do it, so I'm like, fuck it, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna commit myself. So that's something I'm just getting away, getting out of the way of right, uh, right away in the morning. But you know, it's been good. You know, I've done it probably like three times so far. Get it up at six. I eventually want to get up at five. Um, it's it's really nice. There's no distractions. Everyone's still sleeping. There's a really cool feeling that I get when knowing that I'm up being productive and other people are sleeping. I don't, I don't know. I just, I think it's something, it's really addictive. So I highly recommend you try it. 
it obviously sucks the first couple nights, but it, you do start to love it for sure. Um, yeah, after I stretch, I will have breakfast, have some fruit or whatever, and then I will, you know, either edit a video, read, you know, I'm always doing I always try to do something productive right in the morning because that's the reason why I'm waking up so early, right? But uh, yeah, so that's pretty much my morning routine. Anyways, I know you guys don't want to hear too much about that because this is an MMA podcast. You guys want to hear about MMA. And I want to talk about MMA. I don't want to talk about myself. Um, so yeah, but to get into it, some uh, current events that have been going on. This was a huge one. Paige Van Zandt. I thought this was complete bullshit when there was speculation going around, going around about it. Uh, she actually signed a four-fight deal with bare-knuckle boxing. And if you know who Paige Van Zandt is, you know that's a pretty crazy thing to do because, you know, she has this huge stigma about being uh, just a pretty face in MMA because she, you know, she's a good-looking girl, to say the least, and she's a fighter, so that's nuts. And she gets a lot of money. She gets paid more, basically, to post a bikini picture on Instagram than, than a fight. So if that says all you need to know about her, the fact that she signed a bare-knuckle boxing contract that just shows that she's an actual fighter so you know you got to give her credit and something uh that you got to point out is that whenever she would have a fight schedule the the person she was fighting or even just other fighters that weren't getting a lot of attention they're just saying no she's just getting this attention because she's a pretty face and all that shit but you know she's proving them wrong doing this this is this is nuts she's getting paid for it well deserved so you know good for her she's Supposed to be competing in November with them, so we'll see how that goes. She ended up with a UFC record of five and four, so it's understandable that the Dana White and you know whoever at the UFC wasn't really serious about negotiating a new contract with her because she did want more money. But if you have a five and four UFC record, I don't care how good looking you are, you are not going to get paid. You're not a good fighter in the UFC. I'm sorry, but. Come on, five and four, it's not a good record. She talked about how she could make the return to MMA afterwards because she recently joined uh, American Top Team in Florida. So that's pretty much all of the reason why you would want to return eventually. Um, she actually had five or six huge promotions to decide on when she tested free agency. There were a couple of big ones were Bellator and one. And I really thought she was going to go to Bellator because her... Current boyfriend Austin Vanderford is a Bellator fighter, and he's just, he's a pretty good one. Um, so that's pretty surprising. I thought for sure she was a lock in Bellator, but you know, fucking, I don't know, I don't know where this came from. She could have been a, she could have still been a, a fighter in my eyes as long as she fought in Bellator. So I don't know. It, good for her. Good for you, Paige. All the best of luck. Please don't get cut out too badly. Anyways, so going on to the next topic was actually that happened today i believe it is it's the 17th today so john jones just tweeted out that he is vacating his light heavyweight belt he um i'll actually pull up the tweet that he put out right now so he tweeted out just got off the phone with ufc today i confirmed that i'm vacating the light heavyweight championship it's officially up for grabs it's been an amazing journey. Sincere thank you to all my competition, UFC, and most importantly, you fans. And he also uh, tweeted after that, the last I spoke with UFC about my salary, there was no negotiating. 
If that ever changes, I'd love to come back and compete again as a heavyweight. Until then, I'll be enjoying UFC as a fan and doing my best to take care of my family and community. And it's funny, right when I took note of this to talk about it, uh, he actually tweeted out that he's basically going to... He had an, he had another he had another conversation with the UFC that I'll pull up right now. So he actually said just had a really positive conversation with the UFC. Sounds like there will be negotiations for my next fight at heavyweight. All good news, the weight gaining process begins. So... Turns out he is coming back, most likely. He's going to return at heavyweight, which I don't blame him because no disrespect to the light heavyweights, but, you know, that that division really isn't that stacked. You know, they don't. there's not really big names that will add to his legacy, especially if those guys are kind of almost beating him. He's winning by split decisions. So, you know, that he and he's cleaned out that division. It's either him or Cormier has cleaned out the division. He's smashed Cormier twice. PDs or not, but you know that's gonna you gotta look at it the, from the fan pers- perspective and the business side, and you know that's not gonna fly. So I don't blame him for uh, wanting to go up to heavyweight, and I don't blame him for wanting more money to go up to heavyweight. You know, um, if you go up to heavyweight, if John Jones goes up to heavyweight from light heavyweight, he's more susceptible to getting knocked out. You know, fighting the DCs of the world compared to fighting. Francis Ngannou, I think that's a pretty pretty big step up in power. Uh, no offense, DC. DC is good power at heavyweight, but not light heavyweight. Not nowhere near the same. So you know, I don't I don't really blame him for wanting more money. I don't really blame him for having all that bad blood with the UFC. You know, with wanting, you know, the the renegotiating with his contract. You know, because if I'm fucking putting my legacy on the line of being the goat. I want to get paid for it because if I get knocked out, if I get starched in 10 seconds by Francis Ngannou, I at least want my pockets to be full. I think that's pretty understandable. Um, so yeah, that's that. Uh, another another topic that came out was Michael Chandler. And if you guys don't know who Michael Chandler is, he's a former Bellator lightweight champion. He's a great fighter at Bellator. He, uh, he actually just starched Benson Henderson, who... Uh, who was a lightweight champion, UFC champion. Uh, you know, he beat some big names, that guy, and he actually just starched him. And I believe it was the rematch. I don't think it was a trilogy. I'm pretty sure it was, pretty sure it was the rematch not too long ago. And uh, he's in talks with the UFC to get signed. So you, Dana White said that he is actually really interested in talking to him. He has a lot of potential. So, um, But the thing is, Michael Chandler coming to the lightweight division... One sec, let me sip my tea. Shout out Selena, peaches and cream. So he's gonna come to lightweight. Do you wanna do you wanna just do you wanna have a little breakdown of what the lightweight division in the UFC looks like? I think it's the most stacked division in the UFC by far. Not by far, bandweight is kind of close, but still. So I don't know who he'd fight. I'm assuming he'd fight someone in the top 10. I don't know how big of a name he has. I'm sure it's decent to get a, a, a top 10 guy. No, uh, so let's see. Gaethje's fighting Habib, obviously. Poirier's fighting Tony. That's speculation. Tony and Poirier. Conor McGregor's retired. You know, he. I don't know what the fuck that guy's saying. He could fight Hooker. I don't really see him fighting Hooker. Charles Oliveira is fighting Benil Dariush, which we'll get into. I think he would fight Paul Felder. Even though Paul Felder kind of said he's retired, I don't know if he would be interested, but 
I think Paul Felder's like 37, 38. I didn't realize how old he was, so I don't know if he'd be into that. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know, Paul Felder, number seven, or Diego Ferreira, number eight. I like Quintus a fun fight at number nine. I actually really like that. Or like Kevin Lee at number 10. Or you could fight, you know, Gregor Galepsi. Cerrone is fighting Nico Price. Uh, yeah, Drew Dober, number 15. Yeah, so I'm, I'm saying probably like Ally Quinta. I think that'd be a fun fight. You know, a lot of people on Twitter were saying that he's actually going to get smashed by everyone in the lightweight division, but who knows? You never know uh, until you know. But yeah, so uh, that's that topic. So now we'll get into some fight announcements. I mentioned, you know, Nico Price and Donald Cerrone. That's going to be a nuts fight. You know, Cerrone coming off, I believe it's what, three or four in a row. Um, Really want to see him back in the uh, the winning column, but regardless, he's gonna go out like a legend. I don't know if this it's definitely not his last fight. You know, let's be real, it's Donald Cerrone. So, uh, you know that's gonna be a crazy fight. Nico Price, he's fucking reposted my stuff. Love that guy. Um, I'm always gonna root for him, but you know that that's that's just a fight where I love both guys, and I'll just watch just for the just just in it to enjoy. I don't really care who wins, but I'll be sad whoever loses because I love both guys. Another fight. This is a crazy one. Korean Zombie versus Brian Ortega is uh, being targeted for October 17th. I don't know about you guys, but I think this has fight of the year potential all over it. I don't know why people aren't talking about it uh, as much. I don't know if it's because it's kind of far away, but which would make sense. But I think this fight is going to be crazy. I saw Brian Ortega fight Max Holloway live at uh, Scotiabank Arena in Toronto. That beatdown, I saw that live. Unbelievable, unbelievable fight. Shout out Max Holloway, it is what it is. But, uh, you know, the bad blood in this fight, it's very unique. Um, it all started with Brian Ortega bitch slapping Korean Zombies translator at a UFC event when uh, Chang Sung Jung went to the bathroom. So that was kind of a bitch move on Brian Ortega's part. And Korean Zombie was pissed he wants to kill brian ortega brian ortega even though brian ortega apologized afterwards he still wants to punch a hole through that guy's face and that'd be a crazy fight i am leaning towards korean zombie in that fight i just think that with the long layoff since he hasn't fought since the holloway fight and the holloway fight was what like 2016 something like that i don't know 2018 whatever i think if he hits ortega the way Holloway hit Ortega, but Korean Zombie is knockout power. He, he doesn't have Max Holloway touches you, you know, he punches you in volume, it accumulates over the rounds, and with his great cardio, and you slow down. Korean Zombie will just come in and one two you in the face, and you're going to bed. Um, so I, I don't know, I'm kind of really leaning towards the zombie with that one. And another funny thing was uh, that's kind of ironic is that the uh, Chang Sung Chung, there's a video on YouTube of. Him training with Renner Gracie. They're actually rolling in, ju- in uh, jiu-jitsu. And Renner Gracie's Brian Ortega's jiu-jitsu coach. So that's kind of funny. Um, that's going to be a sick fight. Another fight that just got announced was, I think a couple days ago, even yesterday, was Charles Oliveira, who's number 6th, and Benil Dariush, who's number 14th, in the lightweight division. Benil Dariush just fought a couple... Uh, I believe at the Derek Lewis event. I think that was the second last event that just happened. Uh, crazy spinning back fist KO. He's on a tear. I think he's on like a five or six fight win streak right now. Uh, 
even this second last fight, you got a crazy highlight reel knockout that, you know, I talked before in the last podcast where the, the crazy Joe Rogan, Dan Cormier, John Anik meme, the hilarious one. Um, but yeah, I thought this was kind of interesting because I, I was kind of curious as to why Charles Oliveira would take this fight because, you know, he just beat Kevin Lee and hopped up a lot in the rankings. He's number six. So, you know, if he could have fought, he could have fought, uh, I don't know. He could have waited out and fought a bigger name, but maybe like a Dan Hooker. He could wait for Dan Hooker to heal up from that DP uh, Poirier fight, which he's probably medically cleared already, if not. Um, gonna, going to be soon. So I just thought that was kind of surprised. I don't know if he wants to be active because I know a lot of Brazilian fighters like to be active, whether that's in grappling, like Gilbert Burns, the Burns brothers, they always like to be active. That's why Gilbert Burns, you know, uh, he got the ability to, get that title shot against Kamaru Usman because he's always active. He doesn't care about pay. He's not like, oh, I want fucking $16 million for every round I fight. Like something stupid like that. Like some other fighters we know of. So um, that was kind of interesting. I, I, I It probably does come down to being active and just, you know, getting paid, especially this coronavirus shit going on. Um, who knows what kind of situation he's in. Uh, he actually reposted my story of him today, which I thought was really cool. It's always really cool when uh, someone you actually really look up to because I really look up, I'm really look up to his jujitsu and I'm a huge fan of his like his transitions against Kevin Lee when I was watching it um, at my girlfriend Selena's house at uh, Guelph University. I was just blown away. I was watching it with under one of her roommates, Nick Buckingello. Shout out Nick. Um, it was just unbelievable. That guy's just a legend on the ground. It's a very high risk, low reward fight for Charles Oliveira. I feel like. Just because of Benil Darius's uh, low rank, so I don't really he doesn't really move up in the rankings much from this, but but nonetheless, that's gonna be a safe fight. And then another one was uh, Edson Barbosa and Sadiq Youssef at featherweight for October tenth. Um, this is Edson's first fight back after his controversial, you know, very very close fight against Dan Ige for his featherweight debut. Um, you know, it's. Edson really wants to get back in the win column. He's got a couple losses. Um, and Sadiq is a former contender, a Dana White Contender Series winner. He's 4-0. He beat Andre Feely and Shaman Marias. So if he beats a huge name like Edson, Mar- Edson Barbosa, is one of the elite strikers in the UFC, you know he's going to go up those rankings, which would be huge for him. So, yeah, but that was, that was, uh, those are some fight announcements that have been going on. But now we will transition to UFC 252, uh, Daniel Cormier, Stipe Miocic. And the first fight that kicked off the UFC, the, kicked off the event was John Dodson versus Marab Belishvili. John Dodson was a plus 210 underdog, number 12th ranked. Bantamweight, he's 22 and 12, and Marab is was a minus 255 under or favorite. Uh, he's number 15 ranked fighter in the Bantamweight division, and he's 12 and 4. Um, you know, Dotson, he's one of the fastest guys to ever compete in the UFC Octagon. You, you can see that from uh, whenever Marab would take him down, and he would just spurt up. Even Dominic Cruz is like trying to hold onto a tennis ball when you fucking bounce it off the ground. So. Um, you know, it was completely shown in that fight. Marab in the first round, uh, there's a lot of fainting, a lot of feeling out because especially Dawson. Dawson was very hesitant in this fight uh, just with Marab's well-diverse weapon arsenal. You know, he's got great striking. He's got 
mixing in the low kicks very well, and then even shooting down in uh, for uh, takedowns. But, you know, the first round, basically, uh, Marab shot him for a takedown, kind of just leaned up against the fence, and then was just raining down knees on his thighs, and then calf kicks, uh, trying to get a couple foot sweeps to take uh, Dobson down. Didn't really work out, but, you know, it took the first round for sure. Um, but yeah, no, th- and then just throughout the fight, it was just Marab initiating, Dotson just being really hesitant. So that was basically the whole the whole fight, really. It was either, and then when Marab would take Dotson down, he would just shoot back up. So all, like 90% of his takedowns didn't count because you have to have control of your opponent in order, to them, in order for them to be considered uh, a takedown. So, um, and it was funny because at the beginning, at the beginning of the third round, uh, Marab went up to him and, you know, usually sometimes fighters in the third round, they will give each other a hug. And Marab, he just started screaming, let's go to war. And then they and then he screamed and then they just had this scream match. Like, ah, ah. It was so funny. That was so funny. They made the commentators laugh so hard. It was hilarious. I love seeing shit like that. Um, you know, and something, something to also note of is Marab's gas tank. That guy is so high energy. In the post-fight interviews, like, I'm not even tired. I can go all day. That guy in a five-round fight is very, very dangerous. You know, a couple more wins, if he, whenever he gets to the headlining position, if he gets there, um, he's going to be fucking dangerous if the guy doesn't come prepared to stuff takedowns constantly because this isn't heavyweight. It's not like the DC Cormier fight, which we'll get into, where he doesn't utilize his wrestling as much and is worried about gassing out. You know, these little guys, they have more of a gas thing because they're not carrying around as much weight. And this guy... Um, this guy's a beast. He trains like a maniac. I love it. He's, he's so humble. Uh, in the post-fight interview, he was thanking his teammates. Uh, his corner, by the way, is amazing. Alderman Sterling, who's hopefully he should get the next shot at uh, Petro Jan for the Bantamweight strap. And he has Ray Longo and uh, Matt Serra, who could literally have their own TV show. If you're not familiar with them, I definitely would search them up and uh, even look at Dana White looking for a fight on YouTube to see what Matt Serra is all about. Great guy. Hilarious guy. Uh, but yeah, no, so Marab won uh, via unanimous decision and something it was kind of it was really nice that he talked about was that he uh, was working a full-time construction job and now after this win, he's actually going to be able to be a UFC fighter full-time and it was kind of fucking really scary the fact that this guy was working construction, a very hard uh, labor-demanding job and he was smashing people, he was doing very well, he was winning. Um, so it's going to be really scary to see what he's all about when he's fighting full time. So I'm really excited to see this guy fight again. I love his attitude. He wears the, you know, that warrior kind of uh, wig thing that Habib does. That Habib, Habib wears. It's just black. It's different. I don't know. It's just obviously culture wise. So it's very cool. He called out Sean Melly. We all know how that went. Unfortunately, we will get to it. But yeah, no, great fight. Excited to see him fight again. The next fight was Herbert Burns and Daniel... Pineda. This is a featherweight fight. Herbert Burns is 11 and 3. He's obviously the brother of Gilbert Burns, who's the number one welterweight contender. He's getting the next shot at Kamaro Usman. And Daniel Pineda is 27 13 with two no contests. Uh, in this fight, or leading up to this fight, Herbert actually missed weight by three and a half pounds. He looked like he had a little bit more body weight uh, going into this fight when he was walking inside the octagon. Uh, I don't know if that had something to do with an injury, which kind of resulted in 
why the fight ended the way it did. Um, Pineda was 28 uh, last time he fought in the UFC. In the first exchange, he actually landed a nice overhand right, but uh, something that no one really noticed was that Burns actually landed a nasty knee that cut open his eye, shut his eye. But uh, throughout the fight, you know, Burns shot him for a takedown, and then Pineda just out. You know, he's an underrated black belt, that guy on the ground. He reversed his position on the first on the, in the first round and then was landing nice ground and pound smashing him nice elbows working the body 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 head all that nasty stuff on the ground so you know he looked really good and then in the second fight uh at one point burns had his back and i'm like oh shit this is not good for uh this is not good for daniel because i've seen his brother gilbert take someone's back and just transition right to an arm bar or you know even just choke him out but this wasn't the case. Benetta actually reversed the position and ended up on top and then ended up transitioning to a mounted crucifix and fucking nasty elbows he landed. Herbert Burns could not get out. You could actually hear, this is something that's crazy with the no fans. You could actually hear him grunting and like in pain and he's like, oh fuck, I can't get out of this. And he was just getting fed uh, Daniel's elbows and then the fight obviously had to get stopped. TKO victory, a huge win by Daniel Panetta. He was a... Uh, a big underdog in this fight so that was pretty crazy he actually said he had to cut 27 pounds in two weeks in order to make the the weight for this fight and it's kind of amazing to think about it because uh burns missed weight by three so he couldn't even cut the extra three pounds while this guy cut 27 pounds in two weeks so that's nuts but you can't complain because he got 20 percent of burns's purse so you know fatter pockets why not so the next fight was Junior Dos Santos, the number fifth ranked heavyweight, 21 and 7 against Jarzinho Rosenstruck, 10 and 1, number six ranked. Uh, JDS coming, I believe he just fought, did he, I don't know if he just fought Francis or not. Regardless, I, I believe he's coming off a couple losses and Jarzinho is coming off that fucking fight against Francis where he got starched, where the stare down lasted longer than the fight, which is unbelievable. You know, uh, this is JDS's first three-round fight in five years. He's been headlining the UFC. I think he's headlining them like 15 times or something nuts. Uh, he was coming into this fight in great shape, you know, uh, just lean, very lean. You know, it fucking looked amazing. Like, just, just looked ripped. He looked like he was putting in a lot of time and effort into his strength and conditioning program. You know, same with uh, Jarzinho. But, yeah, no, uh, right in this fight started there's a lot of the feeling out process with heavyweights you know a lot of feints to see where the guys are reacting with what and you know understandably so because at heavyweight you want to do that because if you are reckless like Yarzino was against Francis and you kind of just throw or even over him against Francis which is even the same thing even more so um you're and if you're gonna get if you get caught you're going to bed because these guys at heavyweight will have one shot knockout power even the guys lower them have the same thing so at heavyweight, you're going to bed. You can't make these mistakes. So it's good to feel it out and kind of see how the your opponent moves, how they react to certain feints or takedowns, anything like that. But yeah, no. So it was a you know eventful fight. You know, they exchanged. It was pretty close. JDS was in that sideways boxing stance. You know, tried a couple of spinning wheel hooks that um, spinning wheel kick. Sorry that actually clipped mark hunt got that crazy highlight real ko uh but yeah the, and then eventually rosenstruck caught him with uh 
a right hand and then just finished him off. So, you know, good shit on uh, Jarzino. He he wants. He said he wants the fans to pick up the next fight. He's a good guy. He, he uh, I don't know who he's gonna fight next. He was saying he he eventually wants a rematch with Francis. He's really you know he's really upset about that how that fight went and he says he wants that rematch either if Francis wins because he's Francis is actually going to it's not official but uh Dana White even says that Francis is going to get the next shot the heavyweight strap against Stipe so he says either if Francis Francis wins the belt or if I eventually win the belt I will give uh Francis a rematch or you know vice versa so he really wants that fight back hopefully he uh you know trains hard and you know plays it out more calculated before then instead of just rushing in so now the cold main event i'm not gonna lie i kind of this this event really kind of broke my uh this cold main event broke my heart because i am a huge sean o'malley fan i don't know how you can't be you know he is kind of a dickhead but you know he's 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 doing what he does he's doing what he's supposed to be he, he's crazy belief in himself hilarious character you know he's he's, he's just funny his youtube's funny uh, but yeah, no, he's number 14 ranked bantamweight. He was 12 and 0. He's 25 years old. He's still so young. And Marlon Vera was 15, 6 and 1. He's not ranked. And before this fight, something that really irritated the shit out of me was Stephen A. Smith. There is a Stephen A. Smith, like a promo with Sean O'Malley. And Stephen A. Smith, fucking hate that guy, was doing the voiceover. And he was, his script was comparing him to Habib ronda rousey lamar jackson just crazy crazy names in the sports world so and i was just like dude like what is this i don't like this at all it's way too much way too soon i get pushing a fighter but this guy hasn't even beat someone who is ranked and you're comparing him to habib what what that's nuts that's stupid don't do that you definitely learned your lesson now espn um but yeah no so after this, or before the fight, I'm going to pull up what I tweeted. So this is something that was kind of funny. Not funny, I, I don't know. I'm just kind of a... I kind of knew what I was talking about, I guess. So uh, I tweeted out on the Dark Horse MMA Twitter account, at Dark Horse MMA underscore follow, by the way. Uh, I said, watching Vera slash Sean's recent fights, Vera needs to work the calf kicks early to slow down Sean's movement or else Sean dances to a unanimous decision win. And I thought it was going to go, I thought Sean was going to win unanimously because uh, Vera's never been finished before. I thought he was just too durable for Sean. And I thought Sean was just going to dance around, use his movement, even with the smaller cage and just pick him apart. Uh, but no, man, fucking Marlon Vera went after the calf kicks pretty early, had success, obviously. Because at one instance, they uh, one instance when he kicked his calf, his he tried to move around and his knee kind of gave out. Or you can notice, I think it was when you noticed it in his ankle, you noticed something was wrong with his ankle. And then eventually he was moving around, he kind of gave out, his knee gave out, and he, you know he was kind of like, "What the fuck?" And even you could even hear his corner say like, "Something's wrong with that knee. Something's wrong with that knee." Uh, Vera's corner, and he was just saying, "Go after it." And then eventually. Uh, once, you know, Sean, just, it was just too noticeable. Marlon fucking went after him. He put the pressure on him. And uh, in one exchange, uh, Sean actually, his knee gave out again. He, he fell down. Uh, Marlon was in his guard and he landed this one nasty elbow that it looked like Sean was out for a second. So 
then eventually you landed a couple more hammer fists and Herb stopped it. So something I wanted to get into was right when I saw that, I really didn't like the stoppage. I'm like, oh my God, I'm going to hear another bad stoppage all over social media. I'm like, oh fuck, here we go. But then I realized that there was no protest. Sean, right away, he was just screaming in agony. He was in so much pain. I'm like, oh shit, man, this guy, like he obviously couldn't have fought uh the three rounds but the reason why i was kind of like oh shit that's not the best stoppage was because i automatically thought of all the fighters that have fought on nasty injuries um one fighter i thought of was obviously conor mcgregor and max holloway mcgregor had an acl injury i think in like the first exchange or something crazy and um and even uh a great the probably the best example was Thiago Santos against John Jones. Thiago Santos almost beat John Jones on one leg. So listen to this: Santos in that fight tore his ACL, MCL, FCL, and his meniscus in his left knee, and he was using his left knee as a, he was using his his left leg as a weapon that whole fight. He was fucking throwing that, didn't care. So that just shows that Thiago Santos, um, that guy's unbelievable i'm a huge fan of his just for that alone not even just because of his highlights um you know i got a shout out that guy darren till even recently against rob towards mcl with the you know the rob foot stomp or not foot stomp uh the knee stomp so but no no i then just looking back at it I, I i had nothing wrong with the the stoppage i actually thought it was a great stoppage because you know sean's 25 i don't know i you don't want to see him take an extra 16 elbows to the temple and get, you know, even even more brain damage than what he was, uh, what he what he already got if he got any, you know what I mean? But you know, so in that case, I'm like, you know, this guy just let him heal up. He'll come back. I think he has so much potential still. People are still like hopping off the the hype train, if you want to call him that. I think he's still a great future in the in the UFC. You know, I'm not gonna say champ. I'm not gonna say any of that. But I do think he is a a great future. He's just got to train. He's got to heal up. I don't know. I'm, I'm saying you should take like a year off or something. I don't know. Just really heal up. Really care for that knee because that was not good. You don't want to come back and too soon and be like uh, Cain Velasquez where he kind of like blew out his knee even though he said, you know, it kind of, you know, you, you know what I mean. All the fighters with the injuries, you know, Luke, Luke Rockhold, all these guys. You don't want to come back too soon even though that was a shitty loss. But, uh, you know, what are you going to do? You can't really do too much with that. And even there's someone, there's something to even mention with this is that someone on Reddit, I saw on Twitter, someone screenshotted this uh, Reddit conversation, this forum, and he was kind of saying, he's like, I think this, I think Sean injured his leg before the fight. And you could tell from the, the embedded series when Sean was on it, he's saying that he hopped out of his own cage a little weird he was walking on the treadmill instead of running and he even on the scale he was standing weird so that was kind of interesting that he pointed that out i don't know if that's the case i don't know if he hurt his leg in training because they're just throwing a lot of kicks because he's very kick oriented sean but you know i don't know i i just hope he comes back stronger and you can't you gotta credit to marlon man he did what he had to do to uh get the win so good shit on marlon i hope they eventually run it back obviously not right away because I know Sean obviously wants that fight back because we don't know how that would have gone if that didn't happen. But not taking anything away from Marlon. So now, the main event was Daniel Cormier, 22-2-1. and 
no contest. He's the number one ranked heavyweight, obviously. He's a, and then he was facing, obviously, Stipe Miocic, who's the champ, 19 and 3. So, right off the bat, man, Stipe, you could tell Stipe, he talked about it uh, in his press conferences and all the media. He wants to, he doesn't want to start off so slow and be really stagnant in his movements, but he, you know, he was moving around, head movement. And he was mixing up shots. He mixed up that body shot, that left hook to the body that finished the second round or that ultimately led to the stoppage in the second fight, sorry. Um, no, he was mixing up his striking very well throughout the fight. His kicks, he even shot shot a takedown on DC a couple of times, uh, you know, just testing him, keeping DC guessing all the time. And eventually even, uh, you know, he, he got the underhooks on, the double underhooks on the, the clinch. And against the fence and was just controlling DC and DC even said that, you know, he wasn't expecting that because in the first two fights, he didn't do that once they were, he was, they're always doing the over under and you know, the over under he had him in the DC had a uh, steep in the over under. And then when he swapped, if you do any you know, martial arts, you do, you know, all that movement, you, you'll see, you see you guys doing that all the time in all the fucking movies and all that shit. I'll put a clip if you, uh, if you realize that I'll, I'm sorry, I'll, I'll put a clip, um, to show that, to show what I'm talking about, because I don't know if I'm explaining it properly. It's basically the movement that DC caught Stipe with the right hand in the first play that knocked him out. But yeah, no, and then, oh, fuck, man, this sucked. Uh, DC, there's a lot of people, a lot of were giving DC shit because they're like, oh, you're going to eye poke him as usual. And then, of course, DC eye poked him in the first round. Of course, in the first round. Um, and... You know, Stipe just came back from, you know, the eye injury, which is why they couldn't fight for so long. Um, and then... And DC actually was landing that, you know, that right hand that knocked Stipe out multiple times. He had so much success with that, you know, shooting for the takedown or fainting the shot and coming up with the overhand right. It connected so many times, but Stipe's chin held up. I think... Um, I think the reason that Stipe got knocked out, I think a, at least a big reason why Stipe got knocked out like that in the first fight was that it was a great punch. Of course it was a great punch, but I think it had to do with the fact that it was too soon after the Francis's fight. The Francis fight where it went five rounds, Stipe ate some big shots, obviously not KO shots, but his head snapped back a lot of times in that fight. And... Uh, yeah, no, I think that's why. Like, I think, you know, if you if you get, you know, if your chin gets hit too many times, you're more susceptible to getting knocked out. You know, it's that's the way it is. The more knockouts you, you have, the, the more you get knocked out, the more susceptible you are to getting knocked out. That's just the, that's just the fight game. That's that's common sense with uh, with boxing, with mixed martial arts, any, any, any combat sport when it comes to punching people in the fucking face. And then at the end, uh, near the end of the first round, uh, DC actually wobbled Stipe badly. Not, I wouldn't say badly here, but no, he he hurt him. Um, and the same thing for Stipe. Stipe almost finished DC at the end of the round two. You know, um, it was it was a little surprising. DC didn't wrestle as much, but he mentioned in his post fight that the game plan was to wrestle if stipe overextends and that was really only in the first round which is where dc got his only takedown you know the single leg high crotch takedown that dc loves i thought he was going to use that way more especially in the smaller cage but he didn't and it's kind of understandable knowing you know considering dc's age you know he's like 41 i believe 41 42 i think 41 um 
41 heavyweight, you know, you're going to gas out pretty fast if you wrestle because wrestling is the most, it requires the most energy to do. If you're just constantly shooting at him, you know, DC would have gassed out in like the third round, even the second round, who knows? So I don't really blame him there. People were giving him shit about that. And in the third round, Stipe actually really, really badly poked DC in the eye. It was nasty. His fucking half his finger is in this guy's brain. It was, it was disturbing. But... Um, you know, it's it sucked because DC right after he said he couldn't see anything out of his left eye it was all black. So that that was that was pretty shitty. Um, that was unlucky, but you know, also it's kind of payback for all the times he poked Stipe in the eye. So and then all the other fighters he's poked in the eye. So it's just the fight game, and that's more of a reason the UFC needs to fucking change their gloves and get Trevor Whitman to make their gloves for them. I don't understand why it's taking so long for them to do that. The UFC is so greedy that they want to buy. The patent off Trevor Whitman's gloves, which obviously would be the stupidest business decision ever. And he's not a dumb guy. He's a genius. So I don't know what they're saying. They need to work something out. They need to change shit with that because the biggest problems the UFC has is their judges and the gloves. Those are the two biggest things, in my opinion. Judges and the gloves. You got fucking boxing judges judging mixed martial arts fights. And we got fucking... The, these eye pokes that are happening so often so you got to fix that that's something that really irritates the shit of me it's something really uh tarnishes the sport that i'm really passionate about so you got to fix that shit man i don't know what it is but you, you definitely can fix that but anyways going back into the fight going into the fifth i think it was tied 2-2 very close dc badly hurt stipe and then stevie badly hurt dc and then it was kind of just it was close but I really think that the thing that led Stipe to winning, obviously, by unanimous decision was the control time in the clinch. I think that really leaned the close rounds in his favor because, you know, when judges look at that, look at those high numbers, it was like, I think it was over three minutes he had in the clinch with clinch time. You know, that's those are high numbers, especially against DC. So, you know, congrats, Stipe, all fucking the heavyweight GOAT, well-deserved. He's going to get Francis again, the rematch, most likely. Um, you know, got to give him credit, man. He's a great role model. Great. He looked amazing. Very lean. The long, luscious hair. He looked like a model. I loved it. Uh, it, it was awesome. It was awesome to see. He's a great guy. Firefighter in his, uh, firefighter in his spare time. He's a great role model. Got to love it. You obviously got to feel for Francis. Or not Francis. Got to feel for DC. You know, just coming up short. Um, right, I, I really want him to ride off into the sunset champ again, but you know, shit happens. It's DC. He's still one of the best to ever do it. One of the best combat sports athletes to ever do it, you know, with his Olympic background and then multiple, uh, division champ, defendable belts. He's, he's amazing. You gotta give that guy credit. Um, yeah. And, and then in the, in the post fight, you know, DC even acknowledged Stipe's ability to clinch and told him and and hold him against the cage for long periods of time. And he even said that uh, he he thinks that's why Stipe ultimately won. That was like the you know the deciding factor, or at least one of the deciding factors that kind of lead the judges to go his way. Um, he even said, you know, he's used to him going with the double. He wasn't he wasn't expecting to go with the double underhooks. Um, didn't wrestle him because he wasn't, it was never available because Stipe was overextending. And he ultimately said that, you know, he's not interested in fighting anymore, ultimately because, you know, it won't be for a belt. And he's only interested in fighting for belts because that's all for his legacy, right? So 
Yeah, like imagine him fighting like Francis right now against Starch, even though that's not happening. But you know, it, just, it it makes sense. It's it's definitely time for DC to retire, well deservedly. So amazing, amazing career, one of the best to do it for sure. Um, but yeah, no. After this, uh, when Stipe was tied for the most title fights, most title fight wins at heavyweight was six, and he's tied with, of course, Randy Couture. And the bonuses for UFC 252 was Kai Kamaka versus Tony Kelly. They got fight of the night. I think that was the first fight of the actual entire card. And if you don't watch all the fights, I highly recommend it. I would even just recommend even just watching this fight back because personally, I if, if I'm able to, I will watch every single fight no matter what because a lot of the guys in the, or even the early prelims, especially this is a perfect example, um, they have a lot of proof in that they're going to go to war more likely. So they want to prove themselves. They want to get paid. They want to get performance of the night because they're not getting paid a lot of money, right? So, and speaking of performance of the night, they got uh, performance night went to Verna Dendroba with a nasty arm bar against Felice Herrick. Beautiful jujitsu. She's a jujitsu legend. Um, crazy credentials. She's a badass. Watch out for her. She, had, she It was one of the fastest finishes in UFC strawweight history. So, Watch out for her. She's a badass in the strawweight division. And Daniel Pananda with uh, his uh, mountain crucifix finish against Herbert Burns. But yeah, no. So that pretty much sums up everything. If you guys enjoyed the video, make sure to like, comment, subscribe, and turn on the post notifications. And if you missed any of the previous episodes, click right here and catch the highlights. See you later.